Welcome to this episode of the FC Podcast. I'm here with Shedden Taylor. We meet once a month for the team challenge. His team challenge is to select the best Celtic team from 2010 to 2020, a decade that Shedden knows really well. Shedden, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, mate. It's, uh, it feels like an eternity that we've had this discussion, but I guess in podcast land, it's not, it's not that long ago. So thank you for having me. In the previous month, we met earlier in the month, and in this month, we've met later because things have come up. So unfortunately, um, our opportunity to speak has been a bit delayed. So I'm pretty excited to talk to you because this is the one, this is the player that I've been desperate to talk to you about. I know who you've selected. It's pretty exciting for me. I love this guy, but I still think that maybe some people might argue the point that he isn't part of the team of the decade for this decade. And I'll tell you why once you tell me who is the player you've selected. Yeah, it's uh, Virgil van Dijk. I love Virgil van Dijk. As you know, I'm a mad Celtic fan, but I'm also a Liverpool fan. And Virgil van Dijk now plays for Liverpool. No question, the greatest defender in the world. That pains me to say because I really can't stand Liverpool. He's a brilliant player. And, you know, under Klopp, he's just excelled and kicked on even even more when he's not injured, he's the best in the world. He's like a Vincent company, but with unbelievable technique. As the host of this podcast, I'm going to edit that comment about Liverpool to make it sound like you love Liverpool. So just letting you know <laughs> that's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. Anyone who knows me will know that's not true. For the people that don't know you, that's going to be pretty awesome for me. Now, the reason I say that this is a contentious selection is not because of how great he was, because he was great and he was great for Celtic, but he didn't spend a long time in that decade as part of the Celtic team, did he? No. So he was only at the club for two seasons, but there were two relatively successful seasons. You know, he showed his class. It was, he was just so far above the rest of the players in Scotland um, especially as a centre half, you know, he was just doing things like he would just take the ball, just waltz through defenders, score incredible free kicks, score incredible long range bangers. He just seemed to really never get out of second gear in Scotland. So he wasn't wasn't with us for long, but he's made my team because he's the best player in the world. He's the best defender in the world currently. So you'd be mad to not have him in your your team of the decade if he played at your club. I'm sure you know Southampton fans would have him in their team of the decade you know, just as Liverpool would. So when you think about it, he was there for a season and a half or two seasons, but he finished uh, with injury. Even his first goal against St. Johnson, where he pretty much ran the ball into the 18-yard box, beat three players and just hit a banger straight into the goal. And like you said, he wasn't at full pace. It was just sort of this movement, this sort of swagger. And then he finished with just dropping the ball in the goal. It was an incredible goal for your, your debut goal for Celtic. He's just so classy for a big guy as well. And um, what a way to introduce yourself to the, the supporters. Yeah, one of the uh, Neil Lennon's best things he's done for the club, I'd say. I do have a little clip from Neil Lennon and I might play it now since you've raised it. Just on his observations on Van Dyke when he first met him in that first week of training. Let's have a listen. He looks as if he talks a lot as well. Doesn't yeah, he? he is. He's a leader. Um, and he was very mature even at 21, 22 when I had him. Um, and I knew after a week or so, I said to him, like, enjoy yourself here. You won't be here long. But it's been meteoric. Right? It's the only 
The only thing I concerned is sometimes he got a little bit complacent. I don't see that now in his game. There's a maturity about him. He can do everything. Does he now, point a finger in the dressing room? Oh yeah, people? he will dig people out. He covers the ground well. You, like you see him every week, Graham. He can hit the ball in both boxes. He brings the ball out. He's quick. That was Neil Lennon talking about Van Dyke during his Celtic time. He did make the comment that he knew from the first week that he would be moving on from Celtic, but also that he seemed to have a, a, a lethargy or a slowness about him at times, and that was a criticism. But Shedden, that is something that taller players are often accused of, but it's not necessarily true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at players like Tom Rogic or, you know, even near Beton, two players that have just left the club, they're both quite tall and you'd be probably surprised at how much running they do. It just doesn't look like they're getting around the park that much. But I think it also goes back to the, the point I was making with Van Dyke that it didn't really look like he got out of second gear. I think it was just maybe the pace of the football was a little bit slower than he was used to or... But for whatever reason, he just, he strolled it, whether or not that's just, like you were saying, the, the appearance because he's a bigger guy or maybe yeah, it was just pretty easy for him. It's my opinion that players that see the game clearer, they have a better vision of the entire game, always seem to have more time than other players. And for that reason, they not only seem to be slow sometimes, but the whole game seems to move a little bit slower. Yeah, I think that's super accurate. It's kind of like chess, you know, but they're like always two moves ahead. So it just seems like they've got unlimited amount of time on the ball because their thought process, their, the way that they're thinking about the game is just so far ahead of actual the, the current play that's happening. So a very fair comment, one that's definitely true for Big Virgil. So Shedden, I want to take you to an interview with Van Dyke when he was playing for Celtic. He was asked the question, what advice would you give yourself at 10 years old? And this is what he had to say. Just enjoy, enjoy everything, like uh, have fun at everything what you do. And what I said, like fun is the, I think the most important thing to have when you're, when you're younger. So a player that started playing for a Dutch team and then got selected for Celtic, went to Southampton and Liverpool. He's the best defender in the world and his number one key advice for any young person is to continue to have fun. Sounds like that's a, a podcast that you've recorded with him previously. You know, that's straight out of the, the Stuart Taylor's Future Champions mould of chatting to successful individuals in the, the current field. I guess that is first and foremost is to enjoy the thing that you're doing because if you're enjoying something and you're passionate about it, the enjoyment gonna, is going to breathe that enthusiasm to keep playing it, to keep progressing. The passion is obviously going to spur on from having fun doing something and uh, the talent will grow. I mean, that's super important. If you, How many times do you hear about kids that you know drop out of youth teams because they're just hating football, but they've got all the talent in the world? I can't speak from experience, but the best and half in the world, I'm sure... You know, you should probably listen to him when he says something like that. You were a very talented young footballer. What made you walk away from the game when you could have gone on further? It got a little bit hard, a lot of moving around and joining different football clubs. And I guess just the desire got to an age where I started working full time and just found excuses not to do it anymore. (laughs) It's It's not the right mentality to have when you're passionate about something. But luckily for me, I've got a a couple of really talented younger cousins that I'm living my footballing journey through, through them. So they don't know it yet, but yeah, I've got posters of them on the wall. <laughs> 
it's an observation that I've made is that when a player leaves Celtic that is has been endeared by the club, that is loved by the club, that has been embraced by the fans, when they leave, it's often felt like a betrayal if they've left in their prime. But it doesn't seem like Van Dyke had that same animosity from the fans. Maybe I'm wrong. But they seemed to know that he was destined. Like Neil Lennon said, from the first week that he trained with Celtic, Neil Lennon knew that he was destined to move on. It seemed like the Celtic fans accepted the fact that he was going to move on. Yeah, of course, that has a part to play. We're quite a fickle bunch. If we feel like you don't want to be at our club, the notion that there is another football club on earth that a player would choose to be at over Celtic is a really hard thing for us as fans to swallow because if you grow up supporting the club, which you know 90% of the players don't, they they have a they form a bond with the club when they're at the club. But I'd say that all well, the fans, you know, they'd do anything to play for the football club. To see players probably not take it as seriously as they they would is probably a bit hard to do. Um, but with Virgil, his class was so apparent that he wasn't going to be there for that long. And his first season was incredible. He won, you know, player of the season. Did have a couple of injuries in the second season and, and he wasn't as good in, the, in his second season with us. The partnership between Jason Denier in that second season, they had moments of brilliance and then they had moments where it looked like both of them didn't want to be at the club. When it gets to a point like that, I think fans are like, well, we're getting at that time a record transfer fee for him. And he was going to the Premier League and you can't really, you know, he gave us two good seasons. We got our transfer record and he's going to the Premier League. As a fan, you know that if the players don't support the club, you know, that's where they want to go. I think it was just a, a good time for, for everyone and there was not that much animosity between the fans and him leaving. It, it feels like there wasn't really a great relationship. It, it wasn't tumultuous or bad. It just, I don't think you're ever going to see Van Dyke coming back for a testimonial or, you know, he's never going to be talked about in the same as, you know, the Chris Suttons or the Scott Browns or the Stan Petrovs, like the players that, you know, have gone to the Premier League after their time at Celtic, but still come back because they have a really strong relationship with the fans and the club. Uh, And that's just not going to be the case with Van Dyke. Moving on to his international career, he played for the Netherlands, also captaining the country. He's had a pretty good and distinguished international career as well. He broke into that Dutch national side at the end of his last season at Celtic. It's kind of a really hard thing to fathom, you know, a Celtics and a half representing a country like Holland in their starting lineup. You know, it was bizarre, but then obviously he moved to Southampton in that same season. So he's gone on to have a really stellar career with, with the Dutch team and probably not as much success as I'd like, but he's a great player, no doubt. So now it's the moment of truth. The FIFA stats for Virgil van Dijk 2013 to 2014, while he was at Celtic. Let's start with pace. Uh, he's pretty quick, even though we were just talking about how he looks slow. I reckon at 84, 83. Shooting? Uh, 72. Passing? 75. Dribbling? 75. <laughs> and defending? Oh, 150. 150. I'm going to, 150, I will... I will take that answer because it is Virgil van Dijk and physicality. Uh, Yeah, he's strong. 85, I'd say. Here we go. Before I give you the FIFA stats, can I just make a public record that the person or the people that decided the stats for Virgil van Dijk while he was at Celtic are a bunch of twats? I forgot that it was while he was at Celtic. That's my bad. 
but still, he was amazing at Celtic. He, he scored incredible goals. He was very fast. Nothing's changed in that regard. So you've said 84 for pace. They have him at 66. It's close. I'm sure that was Fat Maradona at his like last year of football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shooting, you had him at 72. Seems right. They had him at 63. Insanity? Yeah. Passing, 64 they had them and you put, them, put him at 75. Dribbling, you had 75, they had 60. Wow. Defence, defence, you had 150. <laughs> <laughs> They had 71. And physicality, and that's probably the closest one, you had 83, they had 79. Shedden, have they got any idea? Uh, no, no, but I mean, I guess they, they probably looked at him when he was at Groningen, right? I'm not, you know, a fever statistician apologist or anything because they've been wrong every other episode as well. But he obviously excelled under Neil Lennon. That's where all of his development was done. So I'm sure Jurgen Klopp thanks him on the regular. Absolutely. But if I can just be outraged for a moment, I think all good podcasts, you've got to have some outrage. And I am in a proper stinker when it comes to these figures. They're just trash. Let's sum it up. Virgil van Dyke, why is he in your team of the decade from 2010 to 2020? He's not my favorite player. Like I was saying, he's not a player that fans really have a special relationship with, but he was just too good to leave out. He was the obvious choice. He's sort of the, the cream that had risen to the top. He's just too good to leave out, to be honest. So that's why. Absolutely. He, he is my favourite player from Liverpool, obviously not from Celtic. My favourite player is uh, certainly Tommy Rogic. But in, in Liverpool, no question, Virgil van Dijk's my favourite. Really? I thought someone like Andy Robertson or something, you know, good young Scotsman, incredible left back, probably future captain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was playing in fourth division in 2012, wasn't he, in Scottish football? Incredible, yeah. I love watching him play. I love his his tenacity. Every game he plays, he plays at 120%, beyond his capacity probably, but he never gives up. But there is something that I've seen in Virgil van Dijk that I absolutely love. To be a player that came runner-up to the Blondior and was a defender shows you just how outstanding he is. In those moments where you need a goal, he can stand up and get them. In those moments where you need to stop a goal, he's there. He is outstanding. Well, yeah, you know, like his highlight reel is um, you, you would watch his goals and you would not think that he's a centre-half. It's incredible how many people don't realise that he played for Celtic. One of my uh, younger cousins, Kedis, we were walking down Queen Street or something in, in Brisbane and he was on a, a billboard and I was like, oh, you know, former Celtic hero Van Dyke, and he just laughed and he's like, oh, Celtic could never get a player like that. I was like, no, 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 he, he came from Celtic. Like he, he played at Celtic for two seasons before going to Southampton. You know, Keatus is a Celtic supporter and a big Liverpool fan like yourself. Just had no idea. <laughs> so a lot of these youngsters put some respect on the Celtic football club's <laughs> That's name. That's right. I blame his father. Yeah, well, and you were Southampton's player of the season, first season as well. So No one cares about Southampton, let's be fair. I just... <laughs> You may have noticed that I completely ignored that when I went through the process of saying where he went from Celtic. <laughs> I did see that, yeah. Shedden, I've kept you for too long, but I do want to talk about uh, something very special. In December, we talked about the possibility of Celtic winning the Scottish Premiership. We talked about the possibility that they could make it and it was very touch and go, but you believed it then, even if it was 
a wish how do you feel now with an incredible season. Ange Postacoglu brings it home for Celtic and carries the trophy to celebrate. You know, just an enormous sense of pride. I'm pretty bad for the I told you so. So I spent a good amount of time on Twitter finding all of the saves tweets, all the bookmark tweets that had written off, you know, Ange Posta who? Ange Posta what or what? What he's, he's only done in Australia or Japan, you know, he's not good enough for Celtic. And uh, I took so much joy in replying to these people with just a photo of him in front of, you know, the two trophies that he's won at Celtic in this first season. And it, it's easy to say, you know, people that are probably not involved in the club or support the club would look at Celtic, you know. We've won the league nine times in the last 10 seasons. You know, we've done four trebles. We've won everything essentially in the last decade in Scotland. From the outside looking inward, it'd be easy to think, of course Celtic were going to win it. From the position that Ange walked into our club, it was horrible. It was tumultuous. We'd lost our best players. You know, there was talk. The staff weren't getting along. There was disconnect between the board and the supporters. It was dire. It was essentially a full squad rebuild. And Ange just walked in, didn't get a preseason because we were off chasing Eddie Howe for five months, uh, only for him to last minute just say no and just come in out of nowhere. And, you know, I remember I, I rang you on the day and we both talked about it. We both had so much confidence that, I mean, I'd probably neither of us, maybe you, but I didn't think you would do it in the first season. But he's notoriously good at rebuilding clubs, getting rid of the deadwood and getting that core and the belief in the players and, and excelling from there. And that's exactly what he's done. You know, he's brought in so many of his own players. He's amalgamated the squad that was there. He didn't bring any backroom staff. He just came over on his own mid-pandemic, didn't get a preseason, had to lock down. His family was still in Japan and he's come in. What an incredible job. We were 25 points behind Rangers last season to win the league. In the way we did it, unbelievable. What a job that that man has done. And all the credit to him, you know, it's easy for, for me to sit here and say, I told you so, like, do my best, Johnny Warren. But he, he's put in the work and there's no guarantees in this business that you're going to be successful. But he's the right guy at the right football club at the right time. I can only see it going uphill from here. I think in December, I said, It'd be great if we win the league, but I can't really see it happening. I think we were six points behind in December. Yeah, well, I actually think you said... I think I, I think I signed off by saying, yeah, we'll win the league. I could probably check, but I'll take, let me check. Shedden, thank you for sharing with me. Thank you for sharing your, your top moment from 2021. What do you predict will be the best moment for 2022? Have you got any guesses? Any, any predictions? Uh, yeah, winning the league. <laughs> First season. So there you go, you actually... Did call it. You did call it, and I reckon you might have been the first one to call it. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps I was. So how cool is that? Champions of Scotland. Yeah, it's a, it's a special one. It's really special. It is. Shedden, thank you for joining me for the FC podcast. Do you know who you're going to select for your second centre-back of the decade? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm tossing up. It's, it's going to be a bit closer. Shedden, thank you for joining me for the FC podcast. It is always a delight and I look forward to speaking to you next time. Thanks, G. Liverpool are the best in the world. I've got posters of them on the wall. Listener.